Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to thank each one of you for coming. For this would be a boring service if I had to preach to an empty building. Which I've done that two or three weeks. Except it wasn't completely empty. I think we had five here, six here, seven here, one of them. But when you look and see all empty seats, it's just empty. When you see half empty seats, it's just half empty. Well, it's half full. That's the way to do it. It's half full. The reason why the people wear masks ride on a motorcycle. <laughs> one thing is to keep the bugs out of your mouth. <laughs> and another reason, it is the spirit of complacency. You ever wondered how 4% of Russia controls 98% of the people? 4% controls 98%. China, just 2% controls the 98 America is heading into that category where 75 or 80% of the people will not express what they truly believe or what they feel, and they will give up their religious rights. And they will humbly close the churches down, and they will humbly put on a mask, and they will humbly stand in line for food stamps and let the government take care of them. But thank God there's a little small group in there that the Bible calls eagles. And they don't live on food stamps and they don't live on pork and beans anymore. They live on the revealed Word of God. Amen. We'd like to thank the Congregation of Canada this morning. I don't, think, I don't know if it's a holiday up there. Is, is this a holiday weekend up there? Well, whether it is or not, there's congregation there this morning we welcome them into the service uh david you say dave or david daniel oh, man we got a lot of daniels going around here <laughs> i thank god for daniels if it wasn't for one daniel i wouldn't even have a set of notes this morning i <laughs> i took uh i got my notes finished yesterday morning about ten thirty, and i started trying to print them off and i spent from ten thirty to six thirty last night trying to get a set of notes printed and there was a section here between here and about four pages here that no matter what I done I could not get them printed now if you're a computer I paste them from one site to the other site I typed it all over brand new I done everything they could it would not print it out except a verse at a time one sentence skip a page another sentence skip a page another sentence skip a page so I went back to last week's lesson, pulled it up in Word, put it in. It typed it out. But we'd already had that. So I just took it as basically this, this hidden matter that we're talking about, God has revealed it, but Satan still wants it hid. Isn't it amazing that we brought this subject out on a holiday when half the congregation goes fishing? That's not by chance. I didn't say, well, now, when's a Labor Day? I better not preach that sermon there. Everybody needs it. So uh, I won't preach that on Labor Day because how can the congregation be gone and everybody needs it? So I don't think like that. I didn't even know it was a holiday till this morning when I woke up. And people didn't show up. My wife said, well, they won't be there going to holiday. I said, how come? Oh, this is this holiday weekend. I said, preacher don't have holiday weekends. Bride don't take a week off. Amen. <laughs> they shouldn't anyway. I put it like that. Now, preachers should take a week off every now and then, but, you know. 
But there's no vacations in the Bible. But you know what? I found one. I think I found one where, <laughs> where we get a break anyway. Jesus said, let's go up in the mountains and take a break. <laughs> Amen. He said, let's go up in the mountain, take a break. Let's refresh ourselves. Then we'll come back down and start all over again. So uh, let's go to the mountains and take a break. Amen. Well, we're glad to have you here this morning. And we want to look at a subject. And the more that you look at this subject, now, I, I ministered these subjects back in the mid-80s. It was very fresh, very controversial. Um, it was a debate almost on every quote. It was over the subject of marriage and divorce, where the seals opened the third pull, the Son of Man ministry, had Jesus come, the seventh seal. All that was controversial. You'd go to the meetings, and one preacher preached this, one preacher preached that, and it was splits and everything else over these subjects. And we're looking at hidden matter in the subject now in our study, and we have come down to this subject of hidden matter, and we're looking at Leviticus chapter 20, 70, 23. Leviticus 23 is the key to open up the book of Revelation. Leviticus 23. And Leviticus 16, the feast of the Lord, are the key to open up the book of Revelation. Now, let's put it this way. If the book of Revelation is not opened, then the true revelation of redemption and the rapture cannot take place. Because the book of Revelation has to be ministered and revealed to the people to give them opportunity to, to accept or reject the Word of God, for it to finish up redemption. The book of Revelation has been sealed with seven seals. Now, last week in the subject, we went to John, where John had, uh, in Revelation 10, 10, was told to eat the open book. All right? We found out that he ate the open book, so therefore, when John ate the book, and in his belly it was bitter in his mouth was sweet just like manna in the old testament sweet to the taste same thing manna when he ate that book the book went into john so john had the revelation of the book of revelation would you agree with that in other words what's the symbolic language of the book of Revelation that he saw in visions over a two-year period where he claims that a prophet come and reveal to him these mysteries and secrets and images that when he ate the open book it was contained in John and therefore the revelation of what he said was locked up no one will ever be able to get it unless God basically who wrote and give the interpretation. Oh, let's put it this way. The prophet that told John when he was transported into the day of the Lord, which is our day, Brother Branham said he saw the seventh church age messenger or that prophet's ministry in this hour, and John only saw and symbol what Brother Branham taught us and what we're feeding on in plain language. He put it all in symbolic form. And the same prophet that revealed it to John, or John transported over here, heard this prophet preach it. It was given to him in symbolic language. He wrote it down in order as he saw it. So therefore, the same prophet that give it has to come to us in reality to interpret it. 
Jesus is the author and the scribe, or he is the writer or the revelation of this book of Revelation. This revelation was given to Jesus after his ascension into heaven. He come now, he sent a messenger, which was a prophet to John. And we see all this series of visions where he basically unveils to John his whole history down through seven church ages, all the way to the millennium into the eternal city again. So the whole plan of the Gentile era for the last 2,000 years is contained in the book of Revelation. We're going to find that that book is sealed up to anyone's knowledge. Not a theologian or any scribe could understand and preach the book of Revelation to any degree where they could know what they're talking about until Brother Brown's ministry come and begin to open up or to read the book or interpret what the symbol, symbols was. So it would take a prophet to read the book. And he said it takes a prophetic group of people to be able to hear the voice of this one that is doing the speaking, which is basically the Holy Spirit himself. I've also found in this by studying the uh, uh, feast again this time, and we'll get to it not in this lesson, but we'll get to it in this series as we go along. The mystery of marriage and divorce and invisible union. I looked at that for years as legalistic. I've even got disfellowshipped over being too legal on marriage and divorce and thus and thus. But I come to understand that marriage and divorce, as we'll get to it in here, there's one element under the seventh seal that Brother Branham said, I saw it, I looked at it, but I could not interpret it at this time. Therefore, the people says, well, the seventh seal is not open because Brother Branham didn't tell us what it was. But I believe that he saw what it was, and which was, could have been a, a symbol. He didn't see it written out. It was a symbol of some kind. It, it could have been two couple, a couple walking down the road. It could have been any kind of symbol. But when he saw the symbol, I believe that he, it didn't register to him where in the New Testament, because it's a New Testament revelation now, he didn't have a type of the old to look at for the interpretation. In other words, he saw a symbol. He knew it was a missing element. He knew it was under the seventh seal. He knew it was a part of our atonement that has to be accomplished for our atonement. Because in marriage and divorce, if you never preached it, then there couldn't have ever been an atonement. So we want to place in there what I'm after now by going over and repeat it. This missing element that we've looked at for 50-something years. I believe the Lord has opened up to where we can see a part of it to see the invisible union to complete it where Brother Brown could finally say now under this seal the mystery was your state and standing is perfect before Almighty God. In other words, if he could not forgive the intermarriage or the double marriage or whatever state they were in, he couldn't forgive nothing. Now, I never could grasp that because according to the legal scripture, if you just read the scripture as it says, what Brother Brown preached in marriage and divorce doesn't quite fit to me. Because he gave a part in the state and what more and put people in that the scripture doesn't give. So it's always been a mystery hanging there. All right. So eventually, the reason I'm going to take it back here, hopefully we can work step by step slowly and work it all in to finally understand where he said you are justified 
And justified means just as though you never done it in the first place. You are absolutely forgiven. And then basically in invisible union, he placed that as your state of justification, sinless. All right. That's all hidden in the book of Revelation. That's all hidden under what we call the seventh seal. All right. So the seventh seal is our mystery. That's what we're looking at. And we will get to it as we look at it. So I want to look at the hidden matter. And we'll simply call it seven seals and seven thunders. Now this is a subject. You can go online. President, you'll see writers and quotes. And everybody's got an article on it. 1,500 quotes on this. What more? And everybody comes up with a different theory. That the thunder sounded in the resurrection. The thunders hadn't sounded. Brother Brown's got to come back in a tent. Brother Brown's got to do this. On and on and on. There's all kinds of theories out there. But if we simply go to the scriptures. I don't believe you'll ever get it straight by quotes. You can get pictures of quote. Pointing a directional quote. But Brother Brown repeats in a way that he interprets things. Many times as a mystery. And he says something. Repeats something over the seventh seal. Back and forth. And you don't know what he's talking about. So let's just take this slowly, a stage at a time, and see if we can understand what our hidden manna is, because there is a hidden manna contained in the book of Revelation that had to be opened by the seven seals that had it bound up, and we found out that without those seven seals being broken and the mystery revealed that was hit under the seal, there is no completion, there's no seven, and there's no rapture. And we know that we're in the seventh church age, we're living under the seventh seal, and there is a rapture under the seventh seal because the shout, voice, and trump called the rapture message was the last mystery to the Gentile under the seventh seal. Okay. So let's look at this slowly if we can because it's not an easy book to get. So we'll take it step by step. Now in Revelation 5, 1 to 7, we're going to read, and then you'll double that, Revelation 10, 1 to 7. Revelation 5, 1 to 7, and Revelation 10, 1 to 7. Is all right if we just take our time and slow that? Because we need to get this. Because basically, this is the key that Brother Branham absolutely separated the church and the bride. And he said there is a rapturing revelation hid under the seventh seal. All right. Revelation 5, 1, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. We saw that it was a scroll. If you, I could put pictures up here, and most people do. Is a scroll wound up, one handle here. As you read it, unfold it, what more is a scroll? But it was sealed up with seven seals, and the seal meant tightly bound together. In other words, they kindly overlapped each other and sealed it completely. Now remember, if it's written on the backside, on either side, you could look at that scroll and you could probably look around and see a few words, like Luther said, the just shall live by faith. And there's sanctification in there. There's blood in there, but you can't make it out because you could only read parts of it. How many is following now? Okay. And everybody's been peeping in there, peep boo what is it, what is it, what is it, what is it, what is it? And they can't get it until someone takes the seals off of the book, opens it up so that you can read it. All right. Let's make up with the amens this morning. Just double the amens if you can. And that will make me feel like we got a whole full building here. All right. So, and the seal was seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, 
Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man, that's the key now, watch, no man telling us that there must be a man to open it. An angel cannot do it. A pope cannot do it. It must be a man. Angel couldn't do it. Even the one on the throne, which was God, could not take and open the book for some reason we don't know. But he never takes the book and opens it. He's looking for a man to open the book. There was no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. Brother Branham said, Now remember, the Lamb prevailed in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he prayed to great drops of blood come upon him by the agony, there's where Jesus prevailed and overcome. All right, so this one we're looking at is Jesus the man. Amen. Not God, now Jesus the man. And to, uh, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereon, thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne... And of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. In other words, it was bloody, having seven horns. We understand what those were from chapter uh, 1 and 2 and 3 of, of Revelation. Seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, seven messengers, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. In other words, here was the Lamb of God, I call him the Son of God, came and took the book off of a, actually if you want to put it, it was on a little stand in the presence of God, the right hand over here. God didn't have it in his hand, it was laying there and it was all looking at it. So he was able to come and take the book and open the seals thereof. God didn't do it, it took a man. That man was Jesus, the Son of God. All right, so we notice that, we'll skip chapter 6, but if you'll notice and read chapter 6, you'll see that the Lamb began to open the book, and we won't go through it now for the time, He began to open the book, He opened the seals, and we find a mystery began to unfold under each seal. Every time He opened a seal, there went a white horse rider and a symbol, but all of it went forth in symbolic form. So every time he opened the seal, there was a mystery went forth in symbolic form. And the prophet tells us that now, here is where the seven seals were opened. Now, if you go online, you're going to find this. The seventh seal is not open. The seals were opened in heaven. All seven seals are open. All seven seals are open. They may not be revealed to you what the mystery was. But they are open. And the Bible even tells you in Revelation 8, 1, that the Lamb opened the seventh seal, and there was about 30 minutes of silence in heaven. Now, that period of silence in heaven, what was going on down here on earth? And I didn't give you the mathematics of it, but I hinted to it. 
I sat down and wrote it out with the words, if you take a thousand, uh, one day is a thousand years. Then you divide that down to 24. Then you divide that down into time. You'll find that basically about a half hour silence is 17 and one half years of our time. From the time that Brother Branham gave the vision of the tent. Now here's another controversy, a big movement Return ministry, tent ministry, that's all group of people looking for Brother Brown to come back to set up a tent. He's not coming back and setting up a tent. The tent vision, the first emblem of it was 1956. His ministry started, uh, I like to say, on the uh, Ohio River. Was that 1933? The, the Pillar of Fire descendants said, take this message around the world commission. But in 1956, Brother Brown was given the vision of the tent. That vision to me, and I think we'll find out, that vision is the symbol of the seventh seal. Now, that may be new to you. I don't know. You got a handkerchief, Mom. You asked me if I had one this morning. I said, yeah, but I didn't have one. Boy, I'll tell you what, past 75 is terrible. That's a sign of old age right there. So I'll let you know a clue. What I'm looking at is that the tent vision is only symbolic, and we'll find it, and he told you that what it was in the seventh seal when he preached it. The tent vision is symbolic, the symbol of the seventh seal. Now, well, what do you think the tent means? The interpretation of the tent was what he brought out in the seventh seal. The every vision, Brother Ben told you, every vision was in a symbolic form, and he had to interpret the symbol to tell you what it meant. Like he said, Mrs. Uh, Stout, they said he missed that. And basically her name was Mrs. Strong. Say, so, oh, Brother Brown missed that. Well, he told Brother Lee, he said, all I seen was a vision of a man with a muscle. So when I interpreted it, I meant, well, that meant he must be stout. But her name was Strong. Oh, he missed that. He's been. No, he kind of misinterpreted what the symbol was. And therefore, if you don't know what the symbol is, you'll misinterpret the true interpretation of it. Now, what we understand is we have symbols of the feast that we've been looking at. If we get the interpretation of the symbol, which the feasts are only a type or a symbol of a reality, if you can properly get the interpretation of the symbol, then you have an understanding of the will of God and what He was going to do. All right? Now, understanding is what we call revelation. You say, well, I got a revelation. In other words, the Holy Spirit has got to give you an understanding of what's already been released, what's already true, what's already been written. Now you understand it in its proper context what it means. That is a revelation given to you by the Holy Ghost. All right. So the prophet said that he had to watch. He had to preach the church ages first. I believe he had to inject Daniel 70 weeks in there before he could preach the seals. Then he preached the seals. Then he went to preach the trumpets. He was stopped in Feast of the Trumpets and said, No, that's under two prophets. That's not for you to preach. That's the two prophets to preach. So the seven trumpets was Israel. He said what the seven seals was to the Gentile. 
Now, we'll also notice if you had a drawing up here, you could draw it between, don't let this be Greek, just, just between the sixth and seventh trumpet was injected Malachi 4, or Brother Brown's ministry is the in-between mystery between the sixth and seventh trumpet. Are you following me now? Between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet, which is two prophets to Israel, between the sixth one and the seventh trumpet was injected the seventh seal in there, our Brother Brown's ministry, to bring it to the Gentiles for a rapture. So let's put it this way. There's a rapture revelation and a rapture between the sixth and the seventh trumpet. Seventh trumpet is when two prophets come down, sounds the message, or begins to broadcast the miracles, which is the trumpet, to gather the Israel, 144,000. He said when the two prophets come down, the bride goes up at the same time. I believe the bride will go up into a dimension, just maybe disappear about 10 feet off the ground, and two prophets will automatically appear on the ground and begin to perform miracles to Israel. All right. So we see now that Revelation 3.14, and that's the, to, the angel, uh, to the angel of the little seal right. Revelation 3.14 is what we call the Pentecostal age, beginning approximately in 19, early 19, 1909 up until the present time, or 1963. So Revelation 3.14 is the Pentecostal age. And we travel through there to Revelation 20, we find is the millennium. Therefore, we can understand that between Revelation 3.14, the Pentecostal age, and the millennium, everything in between has to be made known or revealed to that people that is on earth. If I can put it that way. Or in other words, from Revelation 3.14, the Pentecostal age, to the millennium, everything written in between, some of us already passed years ago, coming down First World War I, which is whoa, whoa, whoa. All those things that have transpired, Eichmann, souls on the altar, all of that is in there. But it can only be revealed in the time of the Pentecostal age and the millennium. 314 to Revelation 19, everything in here has to be revealed. It's already finished, most of it, and most of it is not to the Gentiles. He said the bride leaves in chapter 4. She doesn't show up again until Revelation 19. But we have Revelation chapter 5 and 6, Revelation 10, dealing with the seventh seal, which is to us, which is hidden manna for the rapture. Okay. So, in other words, no one uh, would have an uh, ability to understand it, and no one could understand it because the seals had the book of Revelation locked up. When we say uh, the sealed book, I'm looking at it as the book of Revelation is sealed up. Without the book of Revelation, basically the whole book is sealed. Because you only have a partial. You don't have a complete until this end book is open with an understanding of our part, who we are, and what's going on. You see what I mean? You can have 98 parts. But there's still these 2% in here, if they have a percentage in here, they're still hid. So you don't have a complete one until you can get everything that we need as Gentiles known to us, fixing us complete under the Feast of Tabernacles or under the rest of God, the finish, completion, until this book of Revelation is open. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning, the book of Revelation is open. The seven seals has been opened. 
Now, whether they've been revealed to you or not is another question. But they have been opened, and they opened in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, which was from 1963, basically, to 1965. All right? So it is open. The mysteries has already sounded. It's out here. It's knowledgeable. It's knowable. It has been exposed and revealed. You say, well, I don't understand this. I don't understand that. Well, then you've got to keep eating a hidden manna. And get the revelation out of it. Get all the juice of it. Chew the steak a little more. And there's still a little more juice in there. Chew it up one more time. And we'll get this last part out of it. And that's what I think we're chewing on. So we find that Revelation chapter 1 is the revelation of Jesus Christ. A personal revelation. We read that. And basically to Revelation 2 to Revelation 3.14 is from Paul's age all the way down to the end of the Philadelphian age. Making Revelation 3.14. The beginning of Brother Branham's ministry or the Laodicean church age. So he is the seventh messenger or the seventh angel to the final seventh church age called Laodicea. He was the voice. He is the angel. He is that spirit representing this generation. Seven being completion. This seventh one was promised to do certain things that only he could do. And everything was locked up until he done it. And we're having to live in the age where he was here and God himself come down and done exactly what he said he would do. All right, now, Revelation 10, Revelation 5, 1 to 7, Revelation 10, 1 to 7. Just how God lines it out. So does now. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven. This mighty angel is the one that's sitting on the throne. Over here I saw the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within and without. The one sitting on the throne is Almighty God. So this one on the throne now comes down here to earth. Are you telling me that God comes down to earth? Yes. He comes down as a messenger. God is his own messenger. The revelation of God is the message. The mighty God unveiled is the mystery of the seventh seal. Follow me? All right. Now, so we're looking at the mighty God unveiled. We're looking at this uh, messenger that comes down, clothed with a cloud, a rainbow was up on his head. That shows you that he was the one on the throne. The rainbow represents a covenant. His face was, as it were, the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open. Now, we went through this through the years. Now then the Lamb has opened all the seals, but the Lamb did not read or say anything about Him. He just opened the seals, handed it to the one on the throne, which was God. Now God brings that open book down to earth. And He had in His hand a little book open, and He set His feet upon the sea, His left foot upon the earth, cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he, had, when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, there is your hidden manna. Whatever they tell you is the mystery. Whatever these seven thunders uttered is what we need to understand and know to complete the revelation of God for the rapture. Amen. So these seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, 
They have already spoke. Now watch. I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. John heard them, but was forbidden to write them down. All right. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are therein are, the earth and the things that are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer, and the original says, time no longer delayed. Remember our study on the feast. We have been 2,000 years now under the feast of Pentecost. You had all four feasts. Jesus was a Passover lamb, resurrection, sent, sent the Holy Spirit out on the day of Pentecost. So all four feasts up to the feast of Pentecost has been fulfilled in its reality. So for seven church ages now, almost 2,000 years, we have set under the feast of Pentecost so therefore, time basically has been standing still because you stopped in the process of the feast and it's been right there ever since. There has to come a time to where the feast in its type begins to start over again. In other words, time clock must start. Israel is the clock. So watch Israel, when she starts, then we know that we have very little time left for the rapture because when the clock starts ticking, things start happening, and it will not stop until the two prophets come down for the 144,000. So we got a resurrection and a rapture, an outpouring, which will only be to me a divine revelation striking the hearts of the bride, finally waking her up to what she is and what she has heard and what she is, where she stands before Almighty God finally bursting upon our hearts and it'll be such a great anointing that it will cause the sleeping saints to appear to the living and it'll all finish up in the resurrection. Resurrection is not going out there and coming out of the grave. Resurrection is what? We are already resurrected out of creed dogmas and we are resurrected out of the church ages. We are resurrected out of sin we are standing absolutely sinless before the judge, and he's standing here now in our presence. He only calls those sleeping saints to visibility. They are already here. Amen. You say, well, I don't see them. Well, we don't see them with these eyes, but the Scripture tells us that they're here. Watch now. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel... You said, this is 60-year-old history. That's right. It is. It is over. It is past tense. It has been fulfilled. All right, this is what we're looking at. When he shall begin to sound, and basically that, to me that was sound his message, which is begin to serve, is this the time guided to him by a uh, series of visions of which the last were angels. Are you following me now? And he picks those visions up when he preaches the seventh seal, brings it all to a climax to give the people the picture. And he said, the mystery of God should be finished, as he had declared to his servants the prophet. The mystery of God actually was hid in these thunders. 
what the thunders sounded, John was forbidden to write, but when the voice of the seventh angel sounds, now I believe that's Brother Branham over in this hour, beginning his ministry, when he begins to sound forth his message, which was basically the seventh seal, when he begins to sound what those seven thunders uttered will absolutely be the revelation that we call the message of this hour. Are you following now? So the thunders is our hidden manna. Now, can you be feeding off of hidden manna called the thunders and not know what it is? <laughs> You've been doing it a long time. We've all been doing it a long time. Because remember, when it rained manna out on the ground, they eat manna, and the word manna means, what is it? They didn't have a clue what it was. And we have been preaching to you the revelation and the doctrines under the seventh seal for many, many years, and it is hidden manna. You've been eating it and didn't even know what it was. Well, can I eat it and not know what it was? Will it still do the same thing? It'll do the same thing to your body, but until it takes your soul out into your spirit and brings the spirit up to your mind, and pretty soon you will understand what you've heard and didn't know, you'll get all three lined up, and it'll be a complete revelation to you. I know who I am, I know where I stand, and I see what God's doing, and this is it. All right. So we find out, watch now. And I went unto the angel, and he said, Give me the little book, and this is where we went to the lesson last week, and we stopped. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. In other words, it was the same form and symbol of the manna that was fed to the children of Israel in the wilderness. Okay, same symbol, honey. I took the little book out of the angel's hand. Now we find the little book, to me, is the book of Revelation. And ate it up. In other words, he chewed up a book, he swallowed it page by page, and it was in his mouth, sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. May God help us understand this symbolism in this hour. Amen? All right. So, now, in this book is the mystery of God revealed, and we will call it the hidden manna, for manna means what is it? In other words, as I said before, the people ate the manna but didn't understand what it was. I believe that we have been feeding off of the mysteries of God. Some of you young people probably said in, in church services when you're real little and heard the preachers preach on marriage and divorce, son of man, seals open, thunders, what more. It didn't mean nothing to you because you'd, it didn't pay any attention. It was just a boring two-hour service that, where you had to sit and get up and go home. But you were exposed to it. We all have been exposed to it. All right, now we've come down to where the product of the revelation must be in effect or manifest itself. It's all got to be manifested. It will bring a resurrection of the sleeping saints, this invisible union that we're looking at. So these, there are two books left. To me, there's two books that are very important. And that is, Brother Bram said, the book of Ephesians, which the book of Ephesians tells us of our redemption and where they went into Canaan. He placed it that way and typed it for their redemption, where they was positionally placed in their adoption. And he also said the book of Revelation is a prophetic book written in symbols 
And the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ revealing himself to this hour and to his future works to 144,000 Jews. Satan hates the book of Revelation. Well, you said, Brother Bram said Satan hates two books, Genesis and the book of Revelation. Why? Because in Genesis is the seed chapter. Everything in Genesis was a seed. What you find materialized, went through its cycle, come out over here in the book of Revelation. What you see, people, this anarchy, all this, these spirits that you see, started out in Genesis. Now then it's sold a crop. Satan has sold a crop. Now then that crop must come to a harvest. Anytime in the Bible that you see the word harvest, season, reaping, tribulation, judgment, all those phraseology, you're talking about this hour today. This is harvest season. This is the end of all things. The seventh seal ends up the church ages. It ends up all the way to the millennium. It is the end of all things. Amen. So the two prophets, Battle of Armageddon, the third woe, tribulation, mark of the beast, all this will be within a three and a half year period. It will all fulfill itself under this seventh seal. All right, now watch. So we know that every book in the Bible is the Word of God. Don't get me wrong. Every book in the Bible is the Word of God. You say, well, it is written. This is the Word of God. It can be a historical word with no life left in it. I know that's hard for people to grab. Well, it's the Bible. You shouldn't say it. We're not saying anything derogatory to the Bible. It was the Word of God. It was manifested. And now then it has been fulfilled. So therefore, there's no life in some of the Bible. The only life left is in this message. See, all right, Brother Ben said, there's nothing will come to life outside of this end time message. So now the only manna that will feed the soul is under the seventh seal. Right? And where do we find the seventh seal? We found it in the holiest of all, a little golden pot of manna that they put in there for a specific purpose. High priest went in each year Dipped a little bit of it and tasted of it. What was it? That manna in the pot was not something new now, some special revelation. It was the same manna that they eat out on the ground every day. They took that same manna, put it in a golden pot, put it in the presence of God, which was what? The original Word of God preserved. The original Word of God preserved. So when we go into the holiest of all in this end time, we're going to find the original manna in the presence of God that originally fell on the day of Pentecost. We've got the original word restored to it, our access to it today. No manna, no leaven in it at all. There is a special showbread that the priests fed on that nobody out there fed on, which was the manna ground up and made into a bread without leaven. There's no leaven in it. So this manna in here, when it's turned into a bread to feed us, there's a prophet has to go in there and make the bread or reveal the message, which is basically the tree of life becoming real to us, that we can feed on the body word of the Son of Man to feed our souls on for the change of the body. We know that every book I said has its time and its season, harvest time. 
we have to be now in the book of Ephesians again because the seventh seal has been opened and revealed. I make that statement which contradicted to a lot of people. I said that back in the 80s and we had a blowout over that one. The seventh seal has been opened. I can say now, truthfully, I believe the seventh seal has been revealed. I believe that many of us understand the revelation of it. Like I said, there's only one little element. If I get two parts out of three, I've only got one part left. I don't have the whole seal left. I only got one little part. That's right. So the seventh seal has been revealed because the mighty God has been unveiled. Look at the symbol. The unveiling of God. All right. If you're unveiling God, then you're going and feeding on a mystery that has been veiled or hidden up until this time. Most people do not have a revelation of God, the Word. That's the reason why you got two gods, three gods, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, one God, one, on and on. Every doctrine and every error in the Bible today in religion started over the doctrine of water baptism and the Godhead. That is the seed of every denominational error that we have in history today. That one little doctrine, water baptism, they couldn't get it. Well, it's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. No, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. No, it's Jesus only. No, it's three times forward. No, it's three times backwards. How can they mess up such a simple little ritual as baptizing somebody in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? But they did. It was to be corrected at this end time under the seventh seal. That's the reason the prophet said, if you haven't been baptized according to the word that's been revealed in this hour, the new name of God has been made known. The stone with the writing in it has been ripped off. We understand the writing. We understand the new name. The new name reveal was not Jumbo The new name was not even the Son of Man. The new name revealed was the Lord Jesus Christ. You said, that's not a new name. No, because you've been calling God the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the revelation that He has made His Son, who was a man uniquely born, has made Him both Lord and Christ, making His name Lord Jesus Christ. And you are saved by receiving the Father in the Son, Therefore, when you receive the Son, you receive the Father. And this hour, the Father comes down not to make Himself known, but He comes to reveal the Son. Jesus come to reveal the Father. Now the Father comes down to reveal the Son. Hallelujah. So salvation could not come to completion, which is resurrection, until the new name was restored that was lost back in Paul's day, according to chapter 6 of Hebrews. Amen. All right. So he said, now watch, it will take a special class of people to understand this book. He also said it will take prophetic insight and the ability to hear from God. It will take supernatural instructions, not just reading 
and comparing verse to verse or chapter to chapter, and let me say our quote to quote. You will not be able to read just the letter of the word and get it. There's no theologian yet, there's no preacher yet has been able to get the revelation outside of a vindicated prophet. All right. So first, before we begin to look at this hidden matter now, it takes a long time to get to it. This end time message brought forth to us is that there is not one minister. I want to stress this. If we don't go any further, we'll close our lid and I can have a sermon say for next week. There is no minister that can absolutely bring us something new. Listen to this carefully, because I, I read all of, I see the web say pages, and I'm this, and I'm that, and whatever more this is. There is no minister that can bring something new to us. You say, well, Brother Greg, you're bringing something new to me. No, you just never have heard it before then. There is no minister that can bring something new without, without that person bringing his own thoughts and opinions into the message making leaven in it so when you begin to say well brother Bram said this and brother Bram said that and your brother said that and brother Bram said that and therefore he means da 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 that interpretation you have no authority you have no ability mentally or unmentally to take quotes and come to a private interpretation of it that's the reason you got this group over here of return ministry, Joseph so-and-so. You got this return ministry over tent group over here. You got this tent people over here. You got the third pool people over here. You got the whatever's over here. All of them has a private revelation by quotes. Every one of them is in error. So therefore, I will not pre-adventure or put any opinions in there that is not already spoken, not already come to pass and interpret itself, that we can see clearly what it was. Because if we do, we'll begin to basically add to or take away, which that's the curse in this hour. So the prophet told us that anyone who hears and receives the revelation, they are not getting a private revelation to themselves personally are a group revelation. They're only receiving what the messenger has already said by the Spirit of Almighty God. Are you following now? Okay. So now we come to an understanding in the season that God allows us to understand. But the seventh angel is told when he begins to sound, the mystery of God is finished. So the mystery is uncovered and spoken but still veiled. Now here's the problem. To many, either by what? Didn't hear it, didn't read it, listen to a tape, or hear their pastor or someone teach it to them. But ignorance is no excuse. Every one of us has access to everything Brother Bram's ever said. You have it in spoken word form. You can go on your computer and print it up. You can listen to it 24-7. It's in written form. It's in every form that you can get. We have notes that goes back 20 years. Subject, subject, lesson, 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 lesson. Thousands and thousands and thousands of printed form bringing this out. So no one will have a, 
excuse. Well, I don't know what it is. If you don't know what it is, you have not applied your mind either to pay attention or to read or to search, telling me you do not have a thirst for the understanding of it. But it has been spoken. It is knowable. It is basically manna that you can feed on. And this manna, this revelation, will absolutely put us in a state and standing before God, ready for the sleeping saints to appear at His call. And when they come, we will see them. And basically, they're waiting for us to see ourselves under the seal, the mirror of God's Word, to where we say first, Mommy, that's me. Come on. This is me. The seals has to be broken off of your own book. Your own life has to be broken out. Do you can absolutely see that your soul come from Almighty God? Say amen, hallelujah, somebody. That you always was written in a book, in a secret section of the book, called the Lamb's Book of Life, that was not open until this end time to call those to the judge who is here to examine your soul and examine your works to tell you that you're guilty or not guilty. That's just where we stand. So we're finding out, basically, that, that we are under the eagle age, the four beasts. What was it? Uh, a lion, a calf, man, and eagle, I believe it was. Four stages, what more? We are under the eagle age, so therefore it could not be or could not come forth before Revelation 3.14 or the Pentecostal age, that messenger comes. Therefore the messenger under the seventh church age would be the angel of Revelation 10.7, which would be a prophet to bring for us his message, which was the seven thunders that we call the seventh seal. You can get the first phase of it. The first phase of it was the revelation of the first six seals. We can get the second phase of it, but there's a little part in there. The second phase of it, he said, we see that that was the coming of the Lord. And everybody says, well, that's not fulfilled. The Lord hadn't come. Not that, that's not the coming he's talking about. He's talking about the coming of this angel down here as a pillar of fire. That he says, I'm looking at it right now. It is the appearing of Christ, the pillar of fire. And who, what, what, who sees the pillar of fire on earth? A prophet. What does he see? The feet. A pillar of fire. God here on earth in this time. Amen. So therefore the Revelation 3.14. Unto the angel of the church of Laodicea write. These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, is also Amos 3, 7. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but He revealed His secret unto His servants, the prophets, which is Revelation 10, 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when He shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, and declared to His servants, the prophets, which is the hidden manna under the thunders that has been revealed to us, that we call spiritual food in due season. It is what you're calling the message of the hour. But I think that we can understand what the message of the hour is. 
and define it down clearly that we get an understanding of what we have fed on and what we have understood and put it together as a picture, not piece by piece by piece, but as a picture and see that we are at the end time. It has all been unfolded before us. The Scripture is fulfilled. It is history. Brother Branham is history. Moses was history. When he died, he was history. Well, you say, well, along come Joshua. Yeah, but after Joshua left, his was history, and along comes someone else. Brother Branham is history. But remember, Carrie, y'all want to come, we'll close. But remember this. Brother Branham brought us a message. In that message is a revelation that is never history. In the message is the hidden manna that we feed on in this time of darkness. Shut up in a little room. Glory to God, I don't make a Pentecostal speaking tongue. The bride goes into a little room. Now, she don't sit in there and just twiddle her finger. She's feeding and doing something, making herself ready to drink the final cup with the bridegroom right before the ascension in the air. We are drinking of that final cup. The marriage has already took place. We have been forgiven of our adulterous marriage. That first husband is dead. Can you say amen? Stand up with me. It is dead. Therefore, according to God, we are justified. And we stand as a virgin. Praise be to God. To be married to our husband, the revealed word of God. That's the picture that we want to see. And it's all laid out in symbols and what more. It may be born to you, but it is life to our soul. Praise be to God.